This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning. I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday, the 26th of July. In your Squiz today, new advice on COVID vaccines. High temperatures test the Middle East. All eyes on the Olympics. And the new ice cream on the block. This is your Squiz today. Another two people have died from COVID, Claire, bringing the outbreak's total to eight deaths. And more local cases were reported over the weekend in New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia. As the outbreak continues to grow, the attention has turned to our vaccination program once again, with some new changes in advice. Experts are saying adults in Greater Sydney should strongly consider getting the jab with any available vaccine, including AstraZeneca. Yeah, the focus, as you say, well and truly on vaccination, as New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian said that vaccination is her state's way out of lockdown. That advice from ATAGI, the official vaccines experts, said on Saturday that those in Greater Sydney really should roll up their sleeve to get whatever jab they can as quickly as possible. Of course, if you're in that state and that's something that you've been trying to do, you'll know that supply has has been short. So what the federal government is doing is sending extra Pfizer jabs to New South Wales. It's been sending some extra allocation that way, but it's really ramping it up in the coming weeks. Also, Prime Minister Scott Morrison said that there's about 1.3 million AstraZeneca jabs ready to go and that a lot of those will head to New South Wales this week as well. Uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison, for his part, says that vaccination isn't the way for New South Wales to get out of this lockdown. He says that doing lockdown well is the way to get out of lockdown uh, and vaccination, of course, is something that we all should be looking at. Yeah, also making news over the weekend were the anti-lockdown demonstrations across major cities in Australia. And the one that's of major concern is, of course, Sydney, with reports of three and a half thousand people gathering on Saturday, including some from those ultra-lockdown areas in the city's southwest. Yeah, and what officials say is they're worried that could become a super spreader event. They'll only know that, of course, in the coming weeks. Uh, Very disappointed officials were that people had gathered en masse. Sydney wasn't the only place to have that sort of protest. Uh, Lockdown cities of Melbourne and Adelaide also had them, as well as Brisbane. Police are working to identify those who took part in the demonstrations. So far, 57 people who attended the Sydney protest have been charged. There were also reports in the Australian newspaper this morning that the New South Wales Cabinet will meet today to talk about extending the lockdown. Reports say it's looking to be a mid-September end date. So keep an ear out for that around today. Last week, we mentioned on the podcast that the Australian government was pushing to delay a decision to put the Great Barrier Reef on the UNESCO in danger list. On Friday night, the 21 Nation Committee voted to keep the reef off the list for now but its health will be back up for discussion next year, Claire. Yeah, it will. It seems that the Australian government and the Environment Minister, Susan Lay, have done enough lobbying to keep the Great Barrier Reef off that in danger list for now. What our government needs to do is submit a report by February 2022 instead of at the end of next year. 
that's to cover things that the government is doing to improve the reef's health, uh, also will play host to officials from UNESCO, uh, from that official body who really wanted to put uh, the Great Barrier Reef on the endanger list. So there's some things to do a little bit more quickly than they'd wanted. And while we're on the topic, Claire, the Stonehenge is set to be placed on the UNESCO's endanger list if a nearby tunnel gets built as planned. That tunnel was given the green light by UK authorities back in November, despite UNESCO warning it will impact the historical site. It means it will lose its World Heritage status, so a pretty big deal. To the Middle East now, Claire, where extremely high temperatures have left large parts of Lebanon, Iran and Iraq without power. And when we say high temps, we're talking around 50 degrees Celsius in some places, so extremely hot. It's just the latest struggle for these countries, which are also facing big economic challenges. Yeah, it's a part of the world, of course, that's no stranger to high temperatures. That's something that they live with year in and year out. But what is really exacerbating things at the moment is a really bad drought. Uh, What has happened, though, this summer there is that there is extreme strain on the electricity grid and that's left those big areas from Lebanon, Iran and Iraq without power. And with water in short supply, there are now protests that have kicked off in that region Uh, What reports say is that at least eight people have died in clashes with authorities in southwestern Iran. Yeah, officials have blamed rioters, but activists said on social media the protesters were killed by local security forces. Human rights group Amnesty International over the weekend called on Iranian authorities to stop using weapons for policing and to release those detained in the protests. Last week, Toa, a baby orca whale, was found separated from his pod over in New Zealand. Despite major efforts to reunite Toa with his mum or with another pod, Claire, he died on Friday night. Poor little Toa. They were really trying very hard for him, but he was just two to six months old and they were giving him around-the-clock care. What the experts there who were involved in his care said that was that the longer he stayed away from his pod and uh, feeding from either his mother or from another orca that would adopt him, it was going to be very difficult for him to survive. Uh, What they were very happy with, though, was that they didn't have to euthanise him, but they did make him very comfortable. They said and that it was a peaceful end. Yeah, it was a story that captured a lot of hearts. And on Saturday, dozens of people attended a dawn ceremony before Toa was taken away to be buried by the local tribe. The Olympics, Claire, as we've said before, we had been waiting eagerly for the Games to kick off and it seems we weren't the only ones. More than 2.7 million people tuned into Channel 7 on Friday night for the opening ceremony. That sort of TV audience rarely happens in Australia anymore. Then, of course, it means it's a shot to be the biggest TV audience of this year, Uh, certainly a lot bigger as well than what has happened for the opening ceremonies of the last two Olympic Games in Rio and in London. Uh, When you look at people watching the pre-game events, so the ones from Wednesday, Thursday and through to Friday before that opening ceremony, a whopping 7.8 million people tuned in to Network 7 to watch those pre-game events. So really big audiences, probably having three of Australia's most populist state capitals lockdown might have something to do with that. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. Not sure about you, but the TV has been on all weekend for me. Absolutely. (laughs) Can't get enough of it. 
Claire, before we get to squeeze the day, we need to have a quick chat about a new ice cream flavour, mac and cheese. Look, I'm not huge into ice cream full stop. If I'm going to have ice cream, it's either good vanilla or good chocolate. The idea of macaroni and cheese ice cream, look, you know me, I love my carbs, but (laughs) I just can't get my head around what that might even look like. Yeah, no way. I'm with you, Claire. I think I'll be sticking to the simple ones, (laughs) the basics. For those wondering what we're talking about, the Kraft Heinz company partnered with a Brooklyn-based ice cream company to introduce a limited edition macaroni and cheese flavour of ice cream. Apparently, people were feeling more adventurous than us because it quickly sold out. Squeeze the day, Claire. What's on your radar? The COVID-affected defamation trial involving Ben Robert Smith is due to kick off in Sydney today. Of course, there's a lot of trouble about scheduling that with that hearing happening in Sydney. For me, it's still all about the Olympics. In particular, I can't wait to see Aussie Ariane Titmus against American legend Katie Ledecky in the 400-metre freestyle final. There's a bit of a rivalry going on there, so I'm looking forward to catching that at 12.20 today. And if you want to run down on what else is on today, stay listening at the end of the podcast for the Tokyo Sprint. Our team at Sport Today, our daily sport podcast, are behind it. It's a quick three or so minute rundown on the biggest news and what's coming up next, so a good way to stay in the know. It is such a good program, the Tokyo Sprint. You can just be all over everything really, really quickly. They've done such a great job. Yeah, they really have. Be sure to stay listening to check that one out. That's all from us today. We'll catch you again tomorrow. A message now from our podcast partner, Hubble. You know what it's like. Your friend recommends a great film or TV show and you're excited to check it out, but suddenly realise you can't remember what she said it was. That's where Hubble, spelt H-U-B-B-L, comes in. It brings your streaming apps and free-to-air TV together into a single experience. You can easily search for your favourite content and keep track of what you want to continue watching. You can also watch free-to-air TV with or without an aerial using the integrated TV guide so you always know what's on and where. It's TV and streaming made easy. Go to hubble.com.au to find out more.